ஜோசிமன்ஸ்லிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கிங்கி
tell you about the programming side of it how uh, advantages uh, things it can bring if you uh, get into web3 right uh, like transparency decentralization and all sort of things so it was not very much articles there on the internet about these sort of things so that's when we started learning about blockchain nfts got into ethereum um i got into the programming side of the things i was building games at that time so i thought let's see how we can create a web3 game what is a web3 game so that's when we found avagachi axie infinity all the games that were popular at that time so yeah and like those games, games were games. not really great to be honest yeah so these are games in the international stage that are active yeah. and wh- what was the last part that you said about these games uh, so they were not fun so not they fun. were pretty boring it was everything around tokenomics how people are making money out of it and it was not the actual entertainment what we call the purpose of game to be so tell us tell us okay that's a very interesting thread tell us more about what was not interesting about those games and what made you change things when you were actually building something yourself at link right so uh, yeah tell, tell us more about that uh, so all those games were never around fun factor right so i'll tell you a back story about axie infinity so it will i think make all the connections and connect all the dots around what is a web3 game during that time so uh, like because of covid vietnam and philippines and all the other countries they were really facing with their economics and then axie infinity came into the picture so what axie infinity like i think around 72 i read in, in an article uh, of this uh, axie infinity and everything i did a brief research about it uh, during that time so uh, what happened with vietnam and philippines is that 70 to 80% of their entire country didn't had a job uh, they lose their job because of covid and they were not making a lot of money and they were facing a lot of economical challenges so that's when axie infinity came into the picture so what axie did is uh, they created an e- economics in such a way that you will be playing the game after buying uh, three nfts the requirement of that game was you need three nfts to be able to play the game so you need those three nfts to play a game and uh, not people weren't able to support themselves to buy those three nfts because the price was around 20 dollars at that time i remember so it's around 60 dollars for you to buy an nft and people couldn't afford that but they found a way to make money from the game so they started playing games on sponsorship ygt came into the picture a lot of other sponsorship guilds uh guilds came into the picture they started uh the the people who had money they started investing it into the nfts for example buying x infinities uh the nfts and then giving it away to the gamers to play the game and they split the revenue in half so everybody was making money but one day uh, in 2021-22 when a lot of people came to know about x infinity and the advantages x infinity is providing in terms of money people uh, like a tons of people came into the picture and the tokenomics break down so the price of that token went like down up to uh, 98% so the people who were earning around 10 to 20 dollars a single day they went up to 0.1 dollar a day so that's when axie infinity broke down so everything around axie infinity or any web3 game at that time was around money it was play and earn game so you need to uh, invest some money then you will be able to make money by playing the games so that's their main goal so they were not focusing on the fun factor those games were not the games that we used to play in the web2 space 
even if i talk about hyper casual casual games or even fortnite any big game so those games were not like that those games needed you to purchase uh, some assets and when you purchase those assets as a gamer when you start playing the game you realize that it's not fun i don't want to play this game but it was the insecurity of those people that they ended up playing the game so a lot of web 2 gamers uh, on youtube and a lo- lot of hardcore gamers they hated web 3 for this so they uh, actually uh, there are tons of video on web 3 that the web 3 gaming is not good it's not great we don't want nfts and all those sort of things but nobody understood the real value of what a true digital ownership of assets can bring the people who are playing a web 2 game even let's take an example of fortnite So you are playing Fortnite. You are uh, spending a lot of money in buying those assets. You are getting a, a golden sword. You are getting a golden gun. You are getting a very high-powered gun. What happens is it's ma- mapping in a database that you own this gun, but you are not actually owning that property as your whole. The way we are purchasing things in a in a real world, uh, for example, gold or anything. So that doesn't happen with gaming. so that's when all of this thing started falling apart and people started realizing okay web3 games means you need to do more than just having a tokenomics around it it needs to be fun it needs to be simplified uh, in terms of playing the game it shouldn't be only for those who understand blockchain who understand metamask or who understand the how to create a metamask wallet that's fair so essentially bringing the game back to the games Yes, actually, and not not shoving money or pushing t- new technology into it just for the name of it, just for the sake of it, right? So, tell us what are the benefits? You, because you talked about nobody understood the true value of digital ownership when you're mm-hmm. really holding, uh, owning an asset in today's games. You're not really owning it, right? It is just on the face of it. So, what does true ownership mean? And how does it change things uh, so what happens is if you actually like what is an nft nft is just a token which is listed on blockchain it can be a single soul bounded token it can be a 721 a 1155 a token which has multiple edition multiple copies it can be anything but it doesn't necessarily need to be an image which people convey to be right now so if uh, i talk about true digital ownership of in game assets inside any game that means uh let's take a basic example of subway surfer it's one of the top played games i'm i'm not sure if you have played it but no. it's one of the top most play uh, top most played game uh, till date and right now as well it's one of the most popular casual game in the industry so if i talk about subway surfer uh, it happens like a, a kid is running on a train and it's trying to get some points and he is protecting himself from a th- like from a police who is behind him so uh, if you talk about digital owner uh, ownership of these assets right the amount of points that i'm earning while i'm playing that game i can be able to uh, redeem those points to buy a skin of that character and that can be a golden skin it can be a rare skin which is only available one out of 100 okay that's a web 2 example now just convert like imagine it in web 3 so that skin which is only a thousand copies is available in this entire world that can be an nft it has a thousand copies it's a multiple edition and you can own one copy now if i do that in a web2 game in service of right now so i will do i'll redeem those points and i will be able to own that one copy of that item mm-hmm. but just imagine if service surfer is uh, banned down in your country 
the country you are playing from you will lose all the assets that you own inside the game because it's on web 2 it's not on web 3 it doesn't actually prove any ownership of yours anywhere it's just inside a game inside the database which is completely centralized even uh, if the company wants they can delete your db in just one second so just in hi- hypothetical yeah db means database in a hypothetical scenario sure. but if it has been on a web 3 space once you buy that uh, item the rare item it's listed on blockchain it is listed on blockchain it has a transaction that is done on blockchain and we know that once a transaction happens on blockchain once you paid the gas fee for that it is marked over there forever and nobody can remove it not even a miner nobody can remove it so you will actually have the proof of ownership of that asset on a blockchain so if you want to sell it on a marketplace in future if the game goes down or even anything happens you can just go ahead sell it on open sea you can go ahead sell it on any marketplace and just imagine it increases a lot of like it uh, creates a diverse liquidity flow because right now people are selling in uh, assets on ebay they are selling a lot of assets on illegally on ebay with mm-hmm. web3 it makes it legalize now you will be able to sell those assets and actually show the proof of ownership you can you have a history who purchased it from you and then the entire rest history on so right now there is only one flow of liquidity that is from gamers to game developers mm-hmm. gamers are paying game developers and they are earning money out of it in web3 it's a diverse flow of liquidity because you are able to sell your assets you are able to do a lot of things once you open a loot box you do anything everything is happen on blockchain so nobody can remove it even uh, like it's a very uh, interesting thing ethereum started because of games vitalik lost his asset inside a game and he thought about this and then he started ethereum okay okay yeah. all right that is interesting so i hear you and so you mentioned that liquidity is the prime again breaking it down what you said just so that i can consume it better is essentially as a gamer right i am playing games and then i'm owning assets currently but i don't really own asset is what you're saying i show it shows on my profile i can use that asset to play a game uh, be it gta be it um, whatever dota and what's happening is if the game goes down if i want to stop playing that game again those assets have no value to me it's past it's in the future because i can only transact with the game itself the game developers and not with anyone else but now yeah. what you're saying is web3 through the advent of nfts to tokenization essentially you can really own it you can own the asset so that now you don't have to just deal with the game developers but you can also deal it with other gamers so yeah. like you said if the game goes down if it's banned from your country or for any other reason uh, you don't wish to continue you can really monetize it you can make money out of it of the assets because that is the essential value right your assets really hold monetary value in the real world so all right and we talked about you talked about web 2 and web 3 so how about we take a step back and just differentiate again in simple words um what exactly is web 2 and what is web 3 okay so is it a basic comparison what is a web 2 and a web 3 yes. so what happens with web 2 if i talk about the architecture in a bigger level uh, in terms of a developer if i talk about architecture what happens is you have a front end 
you have a backend and you have a server and a database there are four uh, things so the front end is the one that is manageable for what you are seeing on the web2 side and the uh, back end is the one which you write with node js and other things and you are able to manage the computation what is happening there and server is something where you are deploying this backend on a server and all the things are happening automatically so you don't have to run a automatic like you don't have a have to have a, a device or anything like a pc which is running a server for you all the time and the fourth part will be db so that is database where all the data is stored and that is a centralized database so that is a web2 architecture so what happens is whatever you are seeing on your front end you are able to fetch the data from the database and all the computations are happening from the back end it's showing you the data on the front end and you are able to use it in web3 what happens is the front ends remain the same because you will be able to see the data that is coming but the data is not coming from a database or a server or a back end the back end can be replaced entirely by a smart contract mm -hmm. so and what is a smart contract smart contract is a uh, like understand that as a code a piece of code that you have given to a machine that is deployed in a blockchain once you deploy something on a blockchain you can't perform any operation like any um, changeable operation on it if you have pushed a faulty code it will remain there forever you won't be able to edit or make any changes if something wrong happen so what happens is you write a piece of code which machine executes depending upon the condition that happens to that code so front end remains the same in the back end you can re, uh, write a smart contract uh, a smart contract that mentions that this is an nft and it is a supply of around 1000 nfts it has a price of this much this is the owner and all those things and once you have written that contract you will able to do an only write operations which that function that contract allows so that might be mint nft transfer nft or similar to that sort of things and you don't need a database because anything that happens on blockchain you can read it directly from the explorers and you want to fetch that data on the front end you have a lot of libraries like etherjs uh, web3.js and other libraries which you will be able to fetch this data from uh, like a from a smart contract you can fetch the data so you remove the three part server you don't need a server essentially but in might in some cases you might need it so server database and backend can all be replaced via a smart contract smart contract programically uh, like a program which uh, is given to a machine and it automates on the process of what condition it comes out right that makes sense because now you're simplifying the whole architecture right and then what you in other words and correct me if i'm wrong i just want to understand make sure i understand it better from what you're saying and so what you're saying is smart contract simplifies the whole architecture it automates a lot of things so if there is a trigger event an event that is happening which says which is like an if and when formula so to speak mm -hmm. so if this happens if a trigger event happens the smart contract will deploy task 1 2 3 and so on and so forth so that is what is happening and then that you can see it on the front end like you said yeah interesting okay that is web 2 so, and web 3 so yes. what are the major advantages of this is in web 2 what we have we have a back end we have everything so if something goes wrong i can modify the conditions according to me but with smart contract what happens is you can't modify it later once you have deployed a smart contract and your community knows that a smart contract is deployed now they will only be able to do those changes which are allowed they won't be able to do any centralized changes mm -hmm. which 
like the way I told you, right? If I want to, like, if I have a centralized DB or anything, and if I want to delete some player's profile, I can do that. The same way Twitter or anything bans you, that is a centralized activity. But in mm. Web three, it can't be happened because you don't have the power to do that. There is no the central control. Blockchain has the power to do it, and the blockchain holds only that power that you have written in the smart contract. Mm-hmm. So once it is out there, the rules of the game are same for everyone. Yeah. And the changes can be made. Okay, interesting. But okay, so I have a question. I'd like to play a devil's advocate here, right? And my question is, why is it such a big challenge? Why is centralization such a big challenge? We have, and it's it's the same argument that you see all the time on the internet, right? It's the mm-hmm. first argument. We have lived for twenty years uh, with internet, with these companies, with the centralized architecture right why do we need a change we are not saying games going down or games being banned so much or i don't we are we are not seeing that gamers want to really monetize that money the the whole reason like you said gamers want to play games is because it's an it's an avenue of enjoyment for them they like playing games they like to use their motor skills in those directions but outside that they're not here to make money money per se and so why do you think and uh, again people getting banned from let's say twitter or any other sources as well as a user that doesn't happen a lot right so when we talk about the mainstream the majority the people at the grassroots level it can happen with uh, donald trump okay but may, will it happen with akshat khandelwal probably who's not doing so much or uh, who, whoever it is right we mm-hmm. don't need to name names and it's not about uh, it cannot happen to a wealthy person or uh, otherwise the point is the bad actors are very few and in between, right? And that is what we have seen over the years. And when these centralized architectures or organizations take those decisions, those are rarity. It doesn't, it, it's sort of a one in a million case or even, even lesser than that, right? So why is it not that blockchain or Web3 is talking about a solution that is not really, there is no really a, not really a problem per se in the first place? There is. I'll ask you one question. Okay. Uh, So do you love your data? Like any data that you put out there, your personal data or any data that you put out there? Do you, uh, like if anybody stole that data, would you be uncomfortable? Yes. And do you get any call from your bank or anything that uh, we would like to give you loan? uh, Who uh, Like in a bank that you haven't uh, called any time or don't have a card with? Don't yes, of course, hundred, hundreds, you know, <laughs> on a daily basis. My God, that's your answer. How did that get? How did those guys get the data about you that you Correct. have such a good credit score that they are giving you? Like, uh, mostly I get the calls uh, because I have a good credit score. So I assume the same for you. So that you have a really good credit score, and they are giving you free credit cards from any other company you have never signed up for. You don't have a credit card with. Let's start with a small basic example. Then we'll go to the government and economy. I don't want to go that far. No, please, please. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, your personal data first of all. So we know we have read a lot of articles about Facebook, about Meta, about Instagram selling your data in the black market and making a lot of money out of it. Because what people need in the market right now is data so that they can actually communicate you. They can market uh, based on what are your preferences. So even with Google, I'll talk about a basic example about Android and Google, even Alexa. 
so alexa what alexa does uh, like there is a study you can read out uh, on a research paper that what alexa does is it uh, secretly records you when it is on uh, you can put, put it on mute but it records you and you, once you sign up for an alexa in the terms and condition it is also mentioned that you are giving it a permission to record your data to analyze uh, in the future if uh, like to for just research purposes for research purpose exactly so that right. is one example second one is google like wherever you are going google maps know where you are um google knows what are your preferences because once i see a a product on and uh, on amazon or mintra or anything i am seeing the ad of that every single place because mm-hmm. what happens with centralization is you see a lot of ads because of your preference that if you are a techie you like gadgets if you search for one gadget you will be seeing a lot of gadgets all over your internet while ever you are scrolling on the internet you are buffering you are doing anything you will see those gadgets over there so that is one of the major cause that we need decentralization and transparency with web3 what happens is you create a metamask wallet you have any wallet which is completely anonymous nobody knows who is behind that person but once you start doing the transaction and you are com- like you are doing one transaction to another you are transferring funds you are doing everything you can see all those transaction as a transparency layer mm-hmm. on blockchain it is recorded as everything like if i have a address that mentions xyz and if i've sent some funds from xyz to this i have maintained some nfts from this to this i have transferred bridge some assets from this chain to another chain you can actually track my entire steps along the way how much i have done what i have done but you never know who is behind that person so your privacy of data your personal data is one of the major important thing that comes with web3 there are a lot of kyc layer that are doing it with zero uh, zk proof so that is zero knowledge proof which doesn't re- reveal your data but it is stored that uh, this is a zero knowledge proof that means this is a valid user who is not a bot and this is a valid user to authorize like to do the transaction as an authorized user but nobody can actually sell your data on the internet third thing uh, if we talk about uh, like government have the power to print as much as money they want that's why bitcoin got invented right in the first place because even i won't i don't want to put out names we'll talk about this later but yeah so that's how bitcoin came into the picture as well that they wanted to have a global currency that can actually manage and that doesn't depre- that doesn't uh, initiate like that doesn't i i'm not uh, remembering the exact term but it doesn't print more money as you go forward it has a halving process which removes the uh, the amount of total supply it uh, reduces the total supply but it never automatically creates more supply to decrease inflation or anything like that the way which people are playing in the space right now yeah absolutely i mean uh... we can do, talk more about the economics of money and all of it you're right that there is a lot of value in having a limited supply otherwise your money you're losing the value if i have, there is 100 dollars in the world and if i own 100 dollars in the world i am i am the person right i have yeah. all the financial capital in the world but if suddenly there is 200 dollars in the world 100 dollars more and then you get 100 dollars then we have all both on the same page so yeah. that is your 100 dollars become 50 exactly the value really halves in that sense and that is the worst part and of why printing more money creates inflation because now my economic power is lesser than yeah. what i had before 
and without any reason without any rhyme and reason i did not do anything different it is just someone which is which is who we called the government who is mm-hmm. just spending money as they see fit which reduces my value of money and that is what we called inflation yeah so you are absolutely right on that part all right so okay okay going back to data privacy right because that is again an important argument to make and to understand understand uh, better right so there are sources like virtual private networks vpns right that people use and there are ad blockers sometimes people use when they are browsing online they uh, there is an extension for example i use google mm-hmm. chrome and i can tell that i've been using ad blockers on my uh, on my browser over many many years now it's been a decade or so i have virtual private network which is a vpn which allows me to securely search the web right i never get any ads i am sure google or meta for that matter is still tracking my data you mentioned google maps is tracking my data of course my my internet is on all the time so wherever i'm going i don't need to open up google maps they're already recording wherever i'm going i know when i open instagram it's automatically tracking my data maybe also selling like you said maybe selling to the banks or maybe selling to anyone who needs it or who who pays for it right so i understand that i am curious from let's say from the ad perspective i don't get those ads right and now when my data is masked in the web2 world like we are saying it solves the problem no um so ad blocker doesn't actually solve the problem because only 0.1% of the entire world population might be using ad blocker and a lot of websites right now like i use a, i was using uh, google brave uh, like not google brave it's brave actually so i was using brave browser which actually um, it removes the da- uh, ad from all the websites automatically so it has a inbuilt feature but uh, it started acting weird uh, for some reason and now i've shifted back to google chrome so not a lot of people are using uh, a ad blocker that is one thing and apart from that if you even uses a ad blocker or anything um ads are actually all the places even if any application any game that you are using you are interacting with ads even the way you mentioned you use instagram you are using uh, youtube as well so in youtube as well you have like right now uh, like i had turned on my privacy and other things so i couldn't i don't want it youtube to give me suggestions of what i need to watch and everything so i have turned that off and it was giving me uh, like a dashboard which comes on the home page right that these are the videos that you might like and stuff like that so recently they have come up with another feature that you need to turn on your uh, ad and privacy settings to be able to see those suggestions um, on your dashboard so i don't see any suggestions on my youtube dashboard anymore because i haven't turned that on so a lot of people like a lot of applications like these are actually forcing people to be able to remove these kind of things like remove your ad blocker turn on your privacy settings uh, share your data with us that's their end goal that's what i have felt uh, in the space right now and even like people like us may be using ad blockers but i am damn sure uh, our parents or anybody else they are not using ad blockers but i mean so it doesn't solve the problem entirely well fairly said but i am making the same argument right if we're talking about our parents or their generation mm-hmm. they are using ad blockers and i don't see them using web3 tools metamask wallets also so the argument of adoption still remains the same right so the problem uh, with the user adoption in the web3 is that it is very complex 
even i know a lot of people who were just entering entering the web3 space it took us it, it it took them like people like us it took them almost a day to create a metamask wallet because they need they they didn't they couldn't understand what is a mnemonic what is a private key why do i need to have a private key what is the use case of that i'll give you a very very small example right i like there is an uh, a store near me uh, it's a mall uh, sort of thing so um, i went there to buy some item uh, so i went the second time so the sales person right he told me that he was uh, a miner of bitcoin in 2011 and they had a referral program i didn't knew about it uh, to be very honest that bitcoin had a referral pro- program in nine, uh, 2011 so he told me that he was uh, like he knew about bitcoin in 2011 he did a lot of mine he didn't he didn't own a, a, a laptop so he used his friend's laptop to mine bitcoin he had around 20000 worth of bitcoin during 2011 and for people and, who not know yeah he didn't know about private key he didn't know how to secure that and how to like save that thing so um the laptop got lost he kept it in a pen drive pen drive got lost and all sort of things so he was very regretting that all those but yeah i was really surprised from a guy who's a salesman in a royal mart um to have the knowledge of web3 mm-hmm. and not be able to protect the funds which he had at that time because it would have been a, a lot more worth right now in the current market so that is one scenario the second one when we talk about mass adoption so a lot of things are happening on the mass adoption perspective like if i talk about right now i think 9 out of 10 projects or founders or builders are trying to onboard those people who they need from the web2 space because the masses remain at the web2 space and they don't understand how to do a metamask how to do any sort of things mm-hmm. so we recently did a uh, like I'll give you an example from my perspective. So we are a game for infrastructure, right? It's a dev tool for game developers. Uh, developers. So we did partnered with a lottery game uh, like two weeks back, and we uh, that game run for around uh, two days, and we onboarded around one thousand non Web three users with just one click. So they don't have to do anything. They don't need to understand Web three. The same way they are logging in with their Facebook, Gmail, anything, they can do that. the extra layer that we added was to allow them create account a blockchain account a uh, like an account on uh, evm chains using their facial id and biometric ids so they just have to scan their face it creates an account on blockchain it's using account abstraction so it abstracts away all the complexity a user faces when they are getting into the web3 so you just scan your face the way you are locking into your mobile you are unlocking your mobile right you scan your face you log in with your gmail account you do anything the way you are doing in web2 it creates a smart account for you on the blockchain and once you do a transaction it bundles those transaction together and it deploys the smart contract plus mint uh, an nft or do any transaction that the user need and in future if they need to do any transaction with that wallet that wallet exists and they are the owner of that wallet mm-hmm. so they right now they don't need to understand metamask or any other complexities what people are do, like what founders like us or me are doing at the moment is they are trying to abstract away these complexities of a normal user of these people uh, to get into the web3 and use the apps the way they have been using the other applications i i think that is a very strong solution right because you rightly said it's all about how convenient because people 
normally right whoever it is you or me if you're trying any new software new technology new restaurant for that matter i want the experience to be really seamless i don't want to think about how to really do it how many steps to take what is what is what goes behind the technical side of things no i want it very simple i want to play a game let me do that i want to build a game let me do that let me i want to watch a game let me just do that you know so instead of just log in and do that because that is what we have been also programmed in a way over the years so and you say it's called account abstraction so that is how you abstract all the middle layers or middle steps that you need to take and it becomes as seamless as you can get do you think yeah. that that will be uh, the go to application or sort of uh, the go to operating infrastructure. way of the infrastructure for most of the uh, companies or applications yeah i think so yeah because i've talked to a lot of like not only game developers i've talked to a lot of game uh, developers so their only problem at the moment is user onboarding mm-hmm. simplified user onboarding because if you want to target a web3 community that is only limited you mm-hmm. will not find a lot of web3 people in the space like if we talk if we compare to web2 right i think the ratio will be 90 is to 10 or something like which is a very bigger one that i'm speaking the 10 percent is i think a very bigger one uh the one where the one i'm speaking about but yeah the people at the developers and the product and the founders really want to onboard these web2 users and that can happen via account abstraction i am a very big supporter of, supporter of account abstraction so okay so tell me more about this how did you come across this because like you said all of all of the applications are facing the same problem how to onboard users so what was what were your learnings what did you observe differently from your conversations or from your data that you saw okay hey we need to find a solution and then mm-hmm. you ultimately found a solution in account abstraction and then you actually built it and deployed it back right so tell walk us walk us through the journey how did it happen okay yeah 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 so when we created our first web3 game right uh, that was in 2021 like i have been a game developer for around 5 years now and in 2021 we created our first web3 game that was using metamask wallet and uh, the infrastructure was completely broken in the space for the game development part and like in general as well for programmers and developers it was pretty much broken so uh, you couldn't find much articles on the internet which is the first go to step for a developer to find any solution so the second thing is you create a solution <laughs> so uh, that's uh, like my journey would be uh, in 2021 we were building a web3 game uh, that game actually uh, the web2 version was created in 8 to 9 days because we used unity we created that game but when we were trying to integrate blockchain layer solidity do transactions create like integrate metamask wallet itself right it was a very complex process because uh, there is nothing available on the internet how can you integrate metamask that is a javascript based web based uh, application uh, even a chrome extension you can't actually bring that inside unity because unity supports c sharp c++ like unreal supports c++ but game development supports c sharp uh, c++ and other things so it is a completely different tech stack you can't actually think of a way you can bring it inside a game so that's how we uh, started actually in 2021 uh, we started doing dot those things because nothing existed so we created uh, that part we integrated metamask wallet we tried to we had a interoperability layer inside that game in 2021 that was a nft interoperability 
So all the NFT that you own, once you collect your wallet, connect your wallet, all the NFTs that you own will be shown there. Now you can choose any of those NFTs to play as your uh, avatar. Mm -hmm. So your NFT becomes your avatar and you are playing the game as your NFT. So this we did in 2021. And I was also working at uh, Quali during that time as the uh, female game developer. Like I was the only one uh, across a team of 300 members. <laughs> so I was working there as a game developer. And yeah, I uh, in 2022, we started Link full time, um, May 2022. So I left my job. We started uh, Link and we found we actually wanted to simplify this development process for those people because we were just building a casual game. And mm -hmm. casual game, if you are taking around two months for a Web3 element to be integrated inside a game, then just imagine for a bigger game like AAA games or any bigger game, which is a which can onboard masses. Like even if I talk about GTA, Fortnite or any other game, it will take years for them to do this thing. So that's when we thought, let's let's simplify this because I was very shocked with the experience that I faced for the first time as a developer that not being able to solve something so that is one thing. So yeah, that's when Link started. I actually lost the context of the question, I think. <laughs> but yeah, the main idea was that we started with MetaMask. Uh, we created MetaMask SDKs. We created the transaction layer for the MetaMask SDKs. And then we realized that the game developers and a lot of people are facing user onboarding problem that you can't actually onboard Web2 people mm. with Web3. All mm. those people who are targeting Web3 audience, they can use MetaMask, they can use other wallets, but they need a solution to be able to do that. And I was already uh, familiar with EIP4337. So EIP4337 is written by a couple of people. Vitalik is also one of them. So he has been uh, talking about account abstraction. Like right now it has increased a lot, but he has been talking about account abstraction. I have been uh, working on account abstraction since... Uh, I think the start of this year. So EIP4337 uh, came into the picture. Um, I found a lot of similarities, how the problem can be solved with this EIP. So we started building on top of that EIP. And it has a lot of benefits, right? It has bundled transactions. So you can bundle around a lot of transactions. I'll take an example of 10 transactions. If you want to bundle transactions, 10 together, you just bundle them and you pay only one time the gas fee. So you don't have to yeah, worry about gas fees as well. Before. Uh, making any transaction on the blockchain. Yeah, yeah. And it goes to miners uh, for as a reward. So mm -hmm. uh, what happens is once you are, like right now what you are doing is in a non-account abstraction process, you are paying for every transaction a gas fee. So if you want to list an item on OpenSea or any marketplace, you have to do two transactions. First is an approved transaction and the second one is the main transaction that lists that asset. Mm -hmm. Now in Web3 uh, with account abstraction, you can do that in one transaction. So list and approve, both of them combine together, bundle transaction and you pay only once for the gas fee. So that is one thing. So bundle transaction, um, gasless transactions, paying with any ERC20 token, that is also one of the advantages. And for the biggest advantage I have seen is user onboarding. Mm -hmm. So you can actually simplify the entire user onboarding because it uh, allows you to like the biggest advantage of account abstraction was bundle transaction. But I saw that as a user onboarding flow. So <laughs> that's why I say that it is one of the major simplified process. But uh, according to other people with Alec and stuff, this is the bundle transaction that through this it will simplify onboarding. But the biggest onboarding process is you will be able to allow your users to log in via Gmail Facebook, YouTube, any just XYZ social IDs 
or even uh, the one which i told you the facial id and uh, the biometric so this is uh, built in house uh, in link so we have created this solution and you can uh, just do this integrate our sdk so the thing is what we did in two months right with a small game now anybody can do that inside any game via us or even any application or even any uh, product via us in just two minutes so okay. that's our main idea that you need to have a simplified onboarding you need to have a simplified developers experience and a users experience because not only users experience will solve developer problem and not only developers problem will solve user experience that's very well said okay so i'll ask you the most important question now all right <laughs> gear up are you ready yeah sure <laughs> okay how, how do you explain this to your parents what do you do okay so okay <laughs> so for the like like for them my entrepreneur journey was like a little bit setback <laughs> because i was one of the topper in my college and i had a good job at quali and like i have been working since my first year so since uh, like first year i have been preparing them that i would be an entrepreneur so be ready for it and uh, when i told them that i am leaving quali and i am starting like i had a, a startup before while i was in college wow. as well so that was a web2 game development uh, startup right and i have also worked as freelancer and other things since my uh, first second year so when i just called them uh, while i was uh, leaving quali uh, right so what happened is i'll tell you a, like a back story so i've never told anybody this thing <laughs> so uh, in quali what happens is uh, like it's a uk based publishing studio so i was working in out of bangalore uh, it, from india team right so uh, my lead not my lead like the programming lead of entire quali was there and he was leaving the next day and i have been thinking like uh, i was managing both the things at the same time web2 web3 web2 web3 and it was getting a little difficult for me because i had a lot of work uh, on this side as well so i thought okay i have to tell him so i'll do it right now he was leaving tomorrow i thought i'll call i tell him on a call in future but that doesn't make any sense so i just uh, talked to him i told him that okay i'm leaving he told me uh, but you are a really good developer is it possible to stay back i told him like yeah whatever blah 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 so that was the thing uh, they told me that please stay back and stuff like that so that uh, and i only had to serve a couple of uh, like i think a month of notice period so that that was fine so uh, that was one thing so when i so when i and then after that i called my dad uh, and i'm starting my startup again <laughs> so he was like okay was he was okay. like okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> he didn't so, had any reaction have a glass like, of water okay <laughs> and then i will talk more to you but right now okay yeah he was he was fine and then i called him uh, like i called him from the office and then i called him in the night and i told him that you don't have a problem like while i was in college mm-hmm. you always used to tell me that just do a job don't be uh, and stuff like that right um parents and all so yeah. <laughs> it becomes hard so uh yeah he was like no i i trust you it's fine i've seen the way you have been growing as a freelancer than your own startup and other things and like he didn't even uh, thought me that i will ever join a uh, like a startup like mm-hmm. a job uh, so yeah he told me that okay i know what you are doing and i trust you okay that's like okay <laughs> that's inspirational for sure right uh, yeah you, you and you need that support emotional support go ahead yeah and for your answer that how i tell my parents that what i do so in the starting days i used to tell them 
uh, you want to understand <laughs> so just let it be and then uh, we launched like i i think i've tell, uh, told you this uh, so we launched an nft collection last year in july so it became the only nft collection from india that got sold out so that time what happened like it was a uh, like that time there was a free free mint nft uh, trend that was going on and that ethereum was at 800 dollars uh, during that time so it was way more bearish than it is right now so at that time we did this uh, we became the only one from india like nobody have done that i think uh, till now that's that's my up to my knowledge so uh, we did that then to my surprise the next day my dad called me and he told me that i want to buy itsuki okay. can you buy the itsuki is the nft collection yep so he he called he called me uh, and he told me that i want to buy itsuki can you buy 20 itsukis for me so <laughs> that's when i started uh, telling him a little bit more that what i do and stuff like that now uh, the lottery application that i was telling you about right so he also uh, created an account he did a transaction and everything so it's that simple but yeah i have been preparing them slowly for all the journey amazing. that is coming <laughs> that is an amazing story thank you for sharing glad glad this was the first platform that you shared the story with that's amazing yeah. <laughs> tell us more about the takeaways uh from this nft collection that got sold out what was different did you did you do something consciously different that hey you know what uh things are not going great so uh in general not a lot of nft collections really get sold out or even have mainstream adoption so let me try something different or yeah tell me your takeaways please take the stage so uh, with this nft collection like i was not the only one uh, we were a team of eight members uh, so me vishwas my co-founder and then others were from different part of the country so i was working on the programming side of the nft the smart contract and everything and our smart contract was way much more reduced in terms of gas fee because mm. even if you are minting 10 nfts you are just paying around 10 dollars something so that was way much more uh, like reduced in terms of gas fee so that is one thing that i can tell from the programming side that we have we we were writing the, that smart contract for around 6 months non stop every single day we were trying to optimize that contract so we i optimized it and you won't believe that the uh, in the first five minutes of the launch our server crashed so uh the server was just for the allow list part that who is uh allowed to mint the nft uh for one hour prior and then rest the public will come in so i think around three thousand uh two thousand or three thousand nfts got minted in just five minutes and because of that server crashed because we were not expecting that much traffic and even though after that we managed to bring up the server up uh, it the uh, speed get reduced but we managed to got sold out in just 10 hours so the ma major takeaways in terms of community was the major one because it was a completely organic community we only had 2000 members on our discord channel and it was a collection of 6666 nfts and uh, we were actually trending on twitter for around 3 days before the launch and it okay. was a completely organic community the people were shilling the people were doing all uh, all the stuff what were they loving about what were they talking uh, so the the main idea behind the itsuki so itsuki is a character right? it's a female character who shows power and stuff uh, in the terms of art but this the uh, background behind it is uh, for every itsuki that is getting minted uh, itsuki means tree uh, so we will be planting one tree for every nft that is getting minted 
Okay. And for future as well, all the NFTs that will be uh, minted in the future, the trees will be planted. So we did that. We uh, partnered with Sankal Taru Foundation, and we uh, minted all the NFTs that it that is getting minted, and all the all those sort of things. So now, right now, I think we are sitting at a market cap of thousand NF uh, thousand Ethereum. Uh, within like th three days, we were at a market cap of hundred Ethereum, and uh, Itsugi got a blue lick by OpenSea and all those sort of things. And in one week, we were at five hundred Ethereum. Well, congratulations. That is yeah. <laughs> actually right there. Homegrown success story. All right. With that, let's peel one more layer, right? As a Web3 founder, as a Web3 female founder. You want to do a time check? Is... No, no, it's good. It's good. Okay. Okay. Just want to make sure that we are good with the time. All right. So as a female Web3 founder, what is it like working in the Web3 space? and what is the side that nobody sees that you'd like to talk about to share and the people can learn from you as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Hmm. So, okay. So when I started the Web3 space, right, there were not many female. Like right now as well, it's very limited. Even if I go to any event, right, India, outside India, you will, you like in India, actually, you can count the female on your fingers. That's the only limited number of female in a, in a, in a group. Um, so I don't want to like say it any as like a male dominated society community like that, because I've always received a lot of support and a lot of um, a lot of support from uh, the male community as well in the Web3 space. But when I joined, uh, I didn't knew that the like the best part about Web3 for me is when I started the Web3 space, right? When I joined the Twitter space, I couldn't I didn't knew I could make a lot of friends mm -hmm. and I made tons of friends on Twitter. Like even uh, like I joined a community, I was on a uh, Twitter channel and a lot of people who are coming after uh, me who ask for my help, I actually join them. Like I actually make them join in that channel because I was also trading NFTs. I was creating NFTs and selling NFTs when I joined the space uh, back in 2022, uh, sorry, 20, uh, back in 2020. So uh, I made a lot of friends and there were not many females. That is one thing. And I've also seen a lot of uh, tweets from female uh, builders, female founders that uh, they have been getting a lot of uh, difficult conversation with men. But to be very honest, I never faced that mm -hmm. um, from like in a, in a very bad perspective or anything like that, because I've met a lot of uh, male in the community and they have never... Um, like I never felt unsafe. I was very comfortable around them. And today as well, I have a lot of uh, friends in the Web3 space, even a lot of uh, male founders in the Web3 space uh, who are pretty amazing. They never made me feel uh, anything uncomfortable. So as a female founder, I think um, I think it's really good, but we need more female. That's one thing that I want to uh, say, that we need a lot of, uh, we have seen a lot of males getting on top, becoming CEOs, CXOs and other things. But you can't, you don't see a lot of female in the space, even in Web2 as well. You don't see a lot of females um, there as well. In Web3 as well, I have a couple of female, like Aditi Chopra, I was telling you about, and Super Women Dao and a community of all the female builders, a lot, uh, all the females who are in the Web3 space. But yeah, I have, I want more female to come and create something that they've always been, have been uh, thinking of. Because I think um, from your parents' pressure and the pressure that you feel that you might not be able to make it, maybe you might be able to make it if you try. 
All right. So tell me more that that is a lovely statement right at the end. That is a lovely because that's inspiration, right? So mm-hmm. tell me more about that. How do you because people have hesitations, right? It is not just from parents saying that, hey, entrepreneurship is risky, but also as a young individual, young professional or a young student, like, okay, there are so many things to do. It is not just about having an idea. Idea, yes, that that is a great thing, but that is just step one of the way. Mm. And then you need to talk, like you said, you need to go out, talk to people, contribute in a community, add value, and then really build something. And that requires more than one person. You need to have a group of people, a group of supporters, and more than that, like you said, internal motivation. Because again, you yourself ask so many questions to yourself. You yourself want to be hesitant about this. Mm -hmm. So did you, have you had any conversations with young girls or young students, what have you told them? What were some of the challenges that they were facing? How did you talk to them about it? So um, I'll tell you, like I have always been trying to help as many women as possible from my end. So I was, when I was in college, uh, I started Flutter Development, right? So uh, when I was like an ex, not an expert, but yeah, whatever. So we get that. I was. <laughs> No, no. So I was working as a freelancer. I was working at a couple of places um, as a freelancer part time and other things um, as a Flutter developer. So that's when I encouraged a lot of female uh, who were in my college and outside my college who were trying to get into this uh, development space. Right. So I actually had a couple of, I think, 10 or 12 female. uh, I actually taught them how you can actually start a career in Flutter. I actually left Flutter after a couple of years. But they are still working in Flutter development. So that is something that I was uh, really proud to see uh, after that. And in gaming as well. Like you won't find a lot of female game developers or female in games. Uh, Like I know a couple of artists who are in gaming, who are building gaming assets and designing games and stuff. But I haven't seen a lot of developers uh, coming into the gaming space as a female. So while I was... um, running code my right my previous uh startup uh that we created we used to create games uh that were hyper casual and casual so that time also we trained around 12 to 15 females to be game developers and yeah so i have like i try from my side so that is something that i can say but yeah we need more female uh in general in the space like even if you are working as a bd pr marketing anything I'm happy to connect with anybody possible. Yeah, yeah I'm sure people will love to. And I, I'm hoping after this uh, interview, this this human side of you that you're showing and sharing, people will be inspired to reach out to you. So I'm glad about that. And then another side of an entrepreneur, right? Now you've built something. Now you want to make it grow. And for many, like, like Web2 or Web3, irrespective, for many projects to really thrive, you need venture capital money, you need investments. And then um, you go to hackathons, you have done that, you have won a lot of hackathons out there. So give me a, a download of the good and the evil of what it means to have that conversation with the venture capital firm for an investment. How important is that conversation? What does it take? And then how does hackathons build into this whole thing? Because again, you're there to create the product, to showcase what you're doing, to build connections. So give the good and the evil of the venture capital world in the hackathons. Um, so there is always a cycle, right? This I have been hearing from a lot of people uh, since I, like in uh, in my previous startup, right? Uh, the game studio, we never went out to raise funds or we were never looking to raise funds. 
um since i uh, started link uh, last year i have been hearing a lot of this uh, cycle that there is a bear cycle and there is a bull cycle so in bear cycle the founders are the one who are building and uh, like investors are the dominators so you have a product you have good traction and stuff like that and you have the chances to raise second wins the bear, uh, like the bull cycle where uh, founders are the dominators and investors invest like we have seen that in the previous cycle as well that a lot of money got invested wrongly as well a lot of money got invested correctly as well and stuff like that so this is a just an ongoing cycle that i can i can say right because it's just an ongoing process that is going on and if you are starting a startup i know it's difficult um it's a lot of work to be very honest and you need to have a team um but before you can actually have a team you have to be clarified with your idea you have to have a go to market understand your product understand your customers who will be your customers and stuff like that and how will you actually reach those customers and if we talk about the venture side of the things right you have a product you have you are building something and stuff like that so what hackathon do in that it gives you a validation so if you are participating in a hackathon of around 200 projects who are participating with you and you are participating uh, there and if you come for second third or any place you know that your product is better than other people the judges um see something in your product right that's why you are winning there otherwise uh, or maybe your tech is very strong these are two three things that can actually be takeaways from a hackathon and in hackathon on the demo day there are a lot of investors vcs angels as well who are looking to reach out like because hackathon is something where you find a lot of new talent mm-hmm. even if uh, an, anybody talk to me that i'm building something i don't know how to reach out to people how to start the conversations go to a hackathon participate in a hackathon and if you are like if your product is really good if you are really good you might also win it and if you win it you come into eyes of a lot of people because they are looking for you right but you don't know how to look out for them so hackathon plays a very major role i like we have participate like i was also scared to participate in hackathons to be very honest because you have that scare uh, like you are scared of the failure that which will come with it but once you start participating like um, once you start participating in the hackathons you will realize that this is a learning either it's a learning or you are getting a lot of connections you mm-hmm. are getting a lot of people to talk to you you are getting uh, attention from a lot of people that you actually need when you are uh, raising or when you are going out with your product you are understanding your gtm as well because mm-hmm. if you are building a tooling infrastructure or anything sort of things which will help people who are present in the hackathon you get your gtm there you understood your gtm there okay these are the people that need my help and i am building this so that's the right path i am going with gtm is go to market go so to market yeah you reach out to the market and how do you find your customers okay yeah so that is the where the hackathon plays a very major role so we have participated in a lot of hackathons and like we have participated i think six of them and we have won all of them so one all of them is, yeah <laughs> okay say that one more time say that say yeah. that one more time you have say that you have participated what <laughs> so we have participated in all the hackathons uh, like around not uh, we have particip- we have not participated in all the hackathons we have participated in around six of them and we have won all six of them so <laughs> amazing and congratulations yeah. so one of, 
So this thing I told one of the VC, right? <laughs> so I went for the Google Cloud, Jumpit. Uh, like there was a hackathon by Jumpit and Google Cloud. It was a one week in Singapore Google office. So I was talking to this guy, uh, Moise. So he's one of a good friend of mine now. But uh, when I first met him, I was just talking to him. I told him that we have participated in these many hackathons and we have all won all of them. So he uh, he was also building. He's a really he's a really great mind. He was one of the advisors in Avagotchi. They create he created the entire architecture of Avagotchi. Okay. Uh, right. So I told him this thing, uh, not knowing who he was and stuff like that. <laughs> and then uh he told me that, okay, let's see in this one uh, because I'm also participating and he won there. <laughs> okay. So now when he's shilling, like he's an investor. So when he's shilling to other investors or introducing me, he mentions this thing <laughs> to all of them. So, yeah. <laughs> Very, I mean, it is something to be, to be shared and to be known. So for sure, yeah. congratulations. What makes you so special? Tell me. How are you <laughs> I don't so know. many competitions back and forth? Uh, so I think it's just pers uh, persistence and like trying to make it work. Come on, come on! Don't don't give us the modest answer. Be specific. Can be pompous. <laughs> okay, I don't it, know. <laughs> what what really makes? Uh, so yeah, yeah, one thing. Not, so yeah. like the way I'm telling you, right? We faced the problem while building the game Web three, and we are trying to solve the problem. So I think that becomes one of the major um, clarification and the major point that what we are trying to solve is the problem in the market right now. So yeah. I think that is one thing that we have seen uh, because like we went to the Google Cloud and Jump It, right? So we there were 31 teams that participated and um, we won, like we were in the infrastructure, right? But all the 30 people participated with a game. Mm -hmm. And when we talked to them, we found that they were actually facing those problems. So we have the 30 studios to be onboarded right there. Okay, that's 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 an awesome way to find. Um, I'm impressed, honestly, because you were talking about clarity of idea. That is where it starts from. And then mm -hmm. if you understand a problem and then you can solve for it, there is automatically a few people who are facing that problem, like you just mentioned. And then it's it becomes so easy and seamless to find the customer and share your product with them because it is genuinely solving a problem. So totally get that. And so was was were hackathons the avenue for you to find investors to begin your journey or did you already find any investors? So uh, we actually started, as I told you, in May 2022, right? So we did that. Then we also started applying for grants and we got the uh, grants from Filecoin in July. So uh, like we were using Filecoin already and Filecoin had a use case in our uh, ecosystem because all the data that is coming in, right, NFT data or anything that needs to be stored somewhere on IPFS and Filecoin plays a major role in pinning those data. So what happens is when you stored a data on a block, you need to pin that data. Otherwise, somebody needs to pin that data. So Filecoin is, a, uh, is pinning those data. So Filecoin is a product uh, by Protocol Labs. So... <clears throat> We got the grants the next day after Itsugi got sold out. So I think that plays a major role as well there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but uh, I, I don't think so. It had to do anything with that. But yeah, it takes around a month uh, for the grants. Um, anybody, I want to put it out there. So if you apply for the grants today, you won't get it the next day. There is a proper review process and stuff like that. So it may take up to one month or two months. So, yeah, just something that needs to be uh, known because I didn't knew about it. 
So we started in May. Uh, we applied for grants. We got the Filecoin grant uh, in 2020 to July uh, of $50,000. So it accelerated our uh, entire development journey. Uh, we were able to hire a couple of more people. Uh, we were a member. Uh, we were a team of three members back then uh, when we applied for the grants. So one was... Um, like Vishwas, my co-founder, and one other team members who was working as a blockchain developer. So we were able to hire more people. We accelerated our development process because we knew that it was bear market and it's not the right time to raise funds. Mm -hmm. And um, then we thought of applying for the accelerator programs. So we applied for Techstars, Outlier and Longhash, all three of them. And we got selected in all three of them. And uh, then we decided we got, went with Longhash because uh, it's pretty good. We... Uh, loved the team and stuff like that so we went with long hash long then uh we had a three-month accelerator we did the demo day then they connected with a lot of uh investors and that was the connections with investors and apart from that i we uh got connected with investors through events so we are going to a couple of events that happen so we have uh gone for the web3 festival in hong kong then uh token 2049 singapore because you will be partnering with a lot of products products mm -hmm. and projects so you <clears throat> you will find them at the events and your synergies will make all the conversations and stuff like that so products projects investors all of them are available at an event so if anybody is looking for i would suggest go to eth india which is coming december coming december december 8th so yeah. be excited and be there in person that's awesome all right now, saving the last question, the most important question and the most special question. I love this question and it's very simple. Shanu Joshi, who are you? Tell us your story. I mean, we've talked about the professional side of you. We have talked about how you you, you have uh, shared some beans in terms of being the topper in the school and then supportive parent, parents and then uh, you build something very interesting, really scalable, your journey through finding your customers, finding investors, facing all the challenges. But who are you really? Uh, tell us a little more about yourself. How would you define yourself? What's, what's your story? Okay. I think I've told my story already <laughs> with all the conversation that we had, right? But if I talk about myself personally, like as I mentioned, I have been uh, working since my first, second year of college. So I was uh, like, I was in uh, programming and sort of things since my school days. So I was doing like HTML, CSS is very common for a kid, I, I guess, uh, while you are in school. So I was doing that. I had a PC at home. So I used to play tons of games, not on PC before we had uh, like, uh, there is a, one thing, Nintendo kind of a thing that attaches to a TV cassette and you place a lot of game on that. So while I was a kid, I used to play all those games, like tons of games with my dad, with my uh, brother and all of those things. And I was a crazy kid at uh, when I was a kid um, related to games. Then when PC came into the picture, my first game was Road Rash. So in, the, in, in that game, what you do is you are uh, driving a bike and you kick the people out of the way. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that was pretty fun. And um, I used to play that at my cousin's house uh, first time. And then we bought a uh, computer. I played a lot of games. I started teaching myself a couple of things like HTML, CSS, then uh, uh, C++, C, 
and all those things python as well so and then in my college first year uh, i knew all these programming languages like basic you know and i realized that all of this basic remains the same because integer will remain integer in all the programming languages and for for loop and loops will remain the same only mm-hmm. that syntax and other things come into the picture like other uh, things come in um other features come in and stuff like that so um i started i was working as uh, like okay so my development journey actually started while i was working as an intern um in one of the company in noida so i was uh, gone there in noida for around 2 to 3 months and i was working out of there and i used to sit uh, like closer to the cto of the company because i want to understand what he do <laughs> i am a very curious kid <laughs> so i used to understand what he do and what are the shortcuts that he is using from his keyboard to make his work productive because i was also trying to like i was learning back then self taught and stuff like that but i wasn't very fast in things i realized that he was using a lot of uh, shortcuts and stuff like that so i used to poke him and ask him all those things that how are you doing that how are you doing that why are you doing that and stuff like that so i used to annoy him a lot but uh, he never gets annoyed so <laughs> i worked there for around um, 3 months but when i was given the project it was on electron js and i have never worked on electron js i had no idea what is an electron js so with electron js you can am i going into too deep no please do uh, please please just <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So with Electron JS what happens is you can create a a desktop application on all the platforms with one code. So that was exciting. I didn't knew about it and when I was given this project I was like how am I going to do this? I don't know anything. <laughs> Then I went to the washroom <laughs> of that and I was like I was thinking okay okay let's think what would I do? <laughs> Then um I talked to uh, the CTO. I told him here I don't know how to do it. and i said i'll do it for my internship and that was a very big project and it was given solely to me first and to an another intern who was living in next two days and he had no idea he was in final year okay so uh, then he uh, told me okay start learning this 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 thing and then uh, let's talk to it about tomorrow mm-hmm. and then i went to home uh, like the pg that i was staying in and then i uh, learned all the things that he gave me the next day i told him okay i have learned this told me okay that was pretty fast and then like he was used to guide me for a month, uh, for a week and then he told me okay these are the things that you need to know and then you just need to know how to google and you will be able to make it and i was like okay okay tell me how to do it and then he taught me only these kind of things in just one lot in one week but yeah it was very uh, less time so less than a week or something and then i started the project it was going good then uh, they assigned another senior developer with me so he was un- working under me because i was handling the project and uh, like i was an intern <laughs> so then uh, when yeah that happened two months uh, went by i was working in office as i was going home i was learning there for two three hours then i came back and i was also working on saturday sunday because i used to i love working so i was working on saturday sunday and stuff like that and then then um yeah later then when i was leave i was going for th- uh, to thailand just for travel purpose for a week and i didn't had the mind in mind that i will be working 3 days after coming from thailand rather than going back to home so they also told me okay you can just take leave and it's fine we'll manage then i went to thailand before going to thailand the uh, ceo of the company he told me um, do you need any help from her because she knows the entire project and i was like no <laughs> <laughs> this guy knows the project he's a senior developer <laughs> so yeah 
yeah that's another story i've never told anybody so you can remove this from here but yeah so uh, that happened i learned a lot of things from that internship i learned a lot of things how to be productive first of all not in terms of tech not in terms of anything to be productive how to use uh, your keyboard in such a way that you don't need anything else that i didn't knew so that happened then i came back home i started learning flutter because i have been listening about flutter it came recently um i've been listening about it from my my friend and other people um and i started flutter and i start i also did react native before that but i i wasn't enjoying that with flutter i was really enjoying it so i create like i started flutter i uh, started the course of uh, angela u or something and then i did that in 3 days Mm-hmm. it was a bigger course but i did that in 3 days i started building multiple applications after learning from there i launched those applications uh, then uh, one of my mentor he reached out that we are looking for somebody to create an application would you be uh, interested in that so first of all i uh, declined because it's it was my sister's wedding that was coming nearby uh, my real sister so i didn't had much time uh, during that time so after uh, that happened um, i messaged him okay now i am free are you still looking so he told me yeah we are still looking we didn't find anybody so that's when i started working there um, as a part time then i uh, created their end to end product i like that was a news application so right first we created mma application then uh, the idea was to create a base application and then just to modify the uh, theme and just replicate the applications for other uh, sports so we did that we launched two three applications and it was getting very repetitive i was not learning much new things um so that's when i thought about freelancing okay i have time i can work um somewhere else learn more skills and that's when i um, worked with uh, christine hong right now she is in tech starts so before she had her own startup obi so i was working at obi um as the flutter lead i created uh, the product i modified the product they had in place already and those sort of things so i was very good in flutter and then in 2018 uh, at the end of the year in october we decided to create a game so that was a diwali game uh, but i was not very familiar with the game development tech stack so we created it with the one i was familiar flutter so we created the game in flutter in 2 to 3 days we launched the game we onboarded around 100k like we got around 100k downloads in just 10 days then the game ended up being in a million or 2 million in just next year and yeah that was completely organic zero rupees spent in marketing aso seo and all those things so we did that then i uh, like i was very adrenaline rushed with the game uh, but it was very bad game so i thought okay let's start game development so i transitioned myself from an app developer to game developer but all the learnings that i had from flutter still helped me like till date if i think about how would i solve this in a uh, flutter just by a paper and pen it actually helps me till the date because the tech stack remains the same to be very honest you just have to think in a different way um and write the code in a different way that's my take uh, on development to be very honest so yeah we i transitioned myself from app developer to game developer uh, we started codemire we created around 70 80 games we partnered with a lot of game publishers like wudu quali crazy labs mpl lion studio and all of them 
we launched around uh, like i think we launched a couple of games and made a couple of them app of the app store as well and in 2000 like in 2020 as i mentioned while i was covid positive like i knew about blockchain about ethereum and bitcoin but not much in depth about what happens behind the scene what happens uh, under the depth right so that's when i started exploring more nfts solidities ethereum evm chains and all those sort of things and then uh, in 2021 we created a couple of uh, like i we created a 2 3 metaverses as well and 2 uh, 3 web3 games as well which which don't have much of the web3 elements so that was for animetas as well animetas is a nft collection um in 2020 21 so we did that and as i told you after playing avagachi x infinity all these sort of games the fun factor was very limited it was missing entirely because you are not playing the game there is no fun factor there is no mechanics of the game you just have to place a card on the screen and the card will decide what happens next nothing so it was way boring so that's when we thought okay let's create our first web3 game so we created our first web3 game um we launched it on op games platform it's a gaming guild we had around i think 50k users in just 2 days of their uh, tournament which they ran uh, during that time and the game took us almost 2 months for the launch with the web 3 included and the web 2 part was done only in 8 to 10 days so we figured out the infrastructure problem the infrastructure problem actually stayed with us for a very long time that we needed to fix it because we the way we have faced the problem in that game we never wanted any other developer to face the similar problem because once you create like once you create a game right not every game becomes a success uh, you have to iterate a lot you have to pivot a lot you have to think different ideas what's going in the market so you have to think a lot in terms of what users will like because one out of 1000 games become a success and with this in the this infrastructure in place which nobody can use they can't do that and that's when the games are failing because they can't pivot they can't change they can't do anything because things are falling apart and that's when we thought okay this needs to be fixed so that's when we started link in may 2022 and uh, link what is link so link is a developers platform so it's a gamefi infrastructure so game developers can easily integrate web3 elements inside any game so which includes account abstraction in game marketplace loot boxes dynamic nfts uh, dynamic nft standards and we have also uh, yeah and we have also added a couple of other npm packages for normal developers to come in and use those if you want to create a marketplace you can just uh, integrate the npm package and you can set up a marketplace in just 2 minutes um just passing your contract address and a couple of things so it's a no code platform or less code platform it's on completely modular basis so you can modify and customize according to what you need and what you don't need like a plug and play solution mm-hmm. so that's the main idea about link and um, yeah and we have around 170 plus games game studios who are building on top of us at the moment so yeah that's a big number that is a big number amazing what next what next for you where are you seeing the next few months or days going in um so right now uh, we are lo- like we are on the testnet and the beta uh, net for the developers uh, who have the early access uh, so we are just pushing everything on the main net and onboarding more uh, game developers to come in we have recently uh, like as i told you the lottery game so we are partnering with a lot of uh, game studios as well uh, to leverage the account abstraction and simplify the user onboarding 
because that is the major problem in the space right now for the developers in general very sir beautiful that is a beautiful journey thank you for sharing your journey that is awesome what dream